Hello. Welcome to Science Factual. Prepare yourself for factual download. Sequence commencing. Now insert this proton pack. Now then, Itchy. I thought you might like this. One of those, uh... Well, it's a real... It's kind of hard to explain. It's a, uh... Wow. You know what I mean? Happy life day. I do mean happy life day. flashbacks batman what a trip of a track also what you just heard was diane carroll stimulating chewbacca's dad itchy while the rest of the family and art carney are just chilling like in the next or even the same room wild stuff welcome to part four of five of star wars month here on science factual i'm your host reese hendrick and for this episode we're taking a look at the novels comic books toys video games and the dreaded holiday special now, usually it's at this point that I'd issue a spoiler alert, but let's be honest. Are you really going to go out of your way to watch the Star Wars Holiday Special that you can easily search and experience for yourself on the YouTubes? I sure hope so. It's an experience. In case you didn't have any designs on including this particular part of Star Wars canon into your understanding of the Star Wars universe, fear not. For here is a quick overview of quite possibly the most important episode of the Star Wars saga. The Star Wars Holiday Special is a 1978 American television special that originally aired on November 17, 1978 on CBS. It is set in the universe of the sci-fi-based Star Wars media franchise. Directed by Steve Binder, it was the first Star Wars spin-off film set between the events of the original film and The Empire Strikes Back, which came out in 1980. It stars the main cast of the original Star Wars film and introduces the character of Boba Fett, who appeared in later films. In the storyline that ties the special together following the events of the original film, Chewbacca and Han Solo attempt to visit the Wookiee home planet of Kashyyyk to celebrate Life Day, but get held up by pesky Imperial forces. Mala, Chewbacca's wife, contacts Luke Skywalker, who, along with R2-D2, is working on his X-Wing fighter. 
Luke tells her that he does not know what happened to Chewbacca and Han. Therefore, Mala contacts Sean Dan, a local trader. He tells her through a carefully worded message that Han and Chewbacca are on their way and should be arriving soon. Mala then attempts, unsuccessfully I might add, to prepare a meal, the instructions of which are being aired via a local cooking show by an eccentric four-armed alien cook, Chef Gormanda, played by Harvey Corman, who you'll most likely remember from Blazing Saddles, or The Carol Burnett Show. Sean arrives with Life Day gifts for everyone, including a virtual reality fantasy program featuring Diane Carroll for Itchy, that's Chewbacca's father. Uh, that track, by the way, is what you heard at the beginning of the episode. It's called This Moment Now. Back on the Falcon, Chewbacca and Han have just come out of hyperspace not far from Kashyyyk. Han notices an increased Imperial presence, so they decide to land in an unguarded area to the north. They are pursued by agents of the Galactic Empire who are searching for members of the Rebel Alliance on the planet. The special introduces three members of Chewbacca's family, his father Itchy, his wife Mala, and his son Lumpy. The program does feature the rest of the main Star Wars characters including Luke Skywalker, C-3PO, R2-D2, Darth Vader, and Princess Leia all portrayed by the original cast except for R2-D2 who is simply billed as himself. The program includes footage from the 1977 film and a cartoon produced by Toronto-based Nelvana featuring the bounty hunter Boba Fett. Scenes take place in space and in space craft including the Millennium Falcon and a Star Destroyer. Segments also take place in a few other locales such as the Mos Eisley Cantina from the original film. The special is notorious for its extremely negative reception and has never been rebroadcast nor officially released on home video. It has become somewhat of a cultural legend due to the underground quality of its existence. It has been viewed and distributed in off-air recordings made from its original telecast by fans as bootleg copies, and it has also been uploaded to content sharing websites like YouTube as I mentioned before. In contrast, the animated segment that introduced Boba Fett was positively received and in 2021 was released on Disney+. Plus. You can still find that on the streaming platform. I know you're searching for me. Searching, searching. I am here. Doesn't matter in which month you're listening to this episode, go ahead and treat yourself to a Fat Spliffy and Get Down on Life Day, which really should be every day. Alrighty, how's about we get into some facts about the novels, comics, toys, and video games that came out of the most prolific sci-fi saga of all time. Let's kick things off with a look into the novelization of the various sagas, and no, I don't just mean the books based off of the movies. Oh no. Utini.com does an excellent job at providing the ultimate guide to Star Wars canon, including a look at which Star Wars books are actually canon. Star Wars books have been on the market since 1977. Even before there was a separation between Star Wars canon and legends, the amount of books to choose from numbered in the hundreds, and that's not including the comics. Over 40 Star Wars novels have been published since 2014 alone meaning the collection of canon stories making up the expanded universe is growing faster than ever. With that, though, comes more opportunities for fans of all reading interests to find stories that they'll enjoy. The books span from prehistory into the era of the time of 25,000 BBY to the year 45 ABY. And if that doesn't make any sense, that's because Star Wars fans measure time in the universe relative to the Battle of Yavin, the clash that led to the destruction of the first Death Star in A New Hope. Events that take place before that battle are called BBY, before the Battle of Yavin, and those after ABY, or after the Battle of Yavin. Get it? One of the most confusing things for readers new to Star Wars books is all this talk about canon versus legends. So let's take a second to quickly clarify the difference between the two and how they each impact your approach to the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Legends books and comics include anything published before 2014, such as the original Thrawn trilogy and the New Jedi Order books. These stories follow an alternate timeline in which the First Order and Kylo Ren never even existed. Canon books and comics, by contrast, include everything published since 2014 and any Star Wars novel, comic, or reference book released moving forward. These books follow the same timeline as the complete Skywalker saga. You can also easily spot the difference between Star Wars canon and Legends books in stories and online without checking the dates, 
by just looking at the covers. All Legends books are now printed with a gold banner across the top of the front cover that says Legends to let you know that it was published sometime before 2014 and may contain some inconsistencies with any canon novels you may have read. Canon books, on the other hand, do not have this banner on their covers. The books cover everything from the formation of the Sith to the Old Republic to the hijinks of Han and Chewie to the film Sokka canon as well as the more recent installments and supplementary stories from various perspectives throughout the Star Wars universe. With over 400 official titles published and more on the way, you'd be hard-pressed to find the time to read them all. As of the airing of this episode, more than 110 comics have also been penned, drawn, and published under the Marvel banner. And if that seems like a lot, that's because it is. But they're super awesome, and I highly encourage you to visit comicbookherald.com for a breakdown on chronology and reading order. Star Wars is such a visually dependent franchise that, no matter how much love I have for the books, I will always love the comics more, and intend to increase my collection. Now, we can't talk Star Wars without talking toys. I mean, the foresight that George Lucas had on the cash cow that is Star Wars merchandising is that of buying up like 10,000 Bitcoin when they were still worth pennies apiece. So what does it all boil down to? What's the dollar figure for how much money has been made off of the toys spawned for the Star Wars universe? Well, that's going to be a bit of a multi-part answer. Lucas was already a reasonably well-known and respected young director after the movie American Graffiti came out in 1973. He took all of that success and buzz generated by his first successful film and more or less locked himself away to write the outline for a space western and the script for the first movie in the story, Star Wars A New Hope, although A New Hope was tagged on after Empire was released. His movie studio 20th Century Fox didn't really get the Star Wars project and didn't think audiences would either. But after some wheeling and dealing by a studio executive who was also a huge American graffiti fan, Lucas got an $8 million budget for his movie and a $500,000 offer of payment for directing. Lucas made what turned out to be the most brilliant counteroffer in the history of modern cinema. He offered to take a $350,000 pay cut on his director's fee. In return, he only wanted two things. One, the right to any future Star Wars sequels, and two, the rights to all of Star Wars merchandising. The studio loved this deal. First, because they were pretty sure Star Wars was going to fail at the box office, giving Lucas the rights to sequels that would never exist. As for the merchandising rights, 20th Century Fox had been recently burned by a failed attempt to merchandise their Dr. Doolittle movie, and had thus distanced themselves from that world. Plus, who would want to buy Star Wars merchandise anyway? As it turned out, they were wrong, on every possible count. Between 1977 and 1978, Star Wars sold $100 million worth of toys. Over the next 35 years, those toys went on to produce $3 billion in revenue. There's also the $3.5 billion in video games, $2 billion in book sales, and $1.3 billion in licensing deals. Oh, and they did end up making the sequels. So there was the additional $3.5 billion in box office returns and $4.5 billion in sales of DVDs, VHS tapes, and Blu-ray. By the time Disney came to call in 2012, Lucas was worth $3.3 billion, roughly about as rich as Oprah Winfrey. After the sale of Disney, Lucas is now worth $5.5 billion, although he did give a large portion of the $5 billion sales price away to charity. At the end of the day, it was more like $4.05 billion, but hey, what's a billion dollars at the end of the day? Plus, not a bad return on a $350,000 investment. Though, we imagine the studio executives who made that deal feel rather differently about it. Hasbro as a company has made over $30 billion during their run at manufacturing Star Wars merchandise after acquiring Kenner Toys in the late 70s, who made a cool $100 million on their own before that acquisition. The trend of merchandise making more money for future box office films is set to continue with the rise in streaming services and online shopping becoming more likely activities for people to engage in than visiting an overpriced theater. I mean, they make Star Wars sex toys, which are definitely more fun than going to the movies, where you'd most probably get kicked out for getting in touch with the Force, if you know what I mean. Speaking of spending more time at home, let's take a quick look at the video games that have come out since the inception of the franchise. There have been video games made for episodes 1 through 6, as well as the Clone Wars, not to mention the variety of consoles and gaming systems from classic stand-up arcade-style units from Atari, 
to their 2600 and 5200 in-home units, to PC and console games, virtual reality and multiplayer online games, and as of the airing of this episode, there have been 88 video games created with at least a dozen more under development. And that's not to mention all of the tabletop games, card games, pinball, and games made specifically for mobile devices. Seriously, there isn't nearly enough time in a day, and perhaps not even in an entire lifetime, to truly explore and appreciate all of the interactive content and games that have been made over the course of the last 40 plus years. Unless you're Jamie Carbone, of course. Now those were some great facts. Coming up next, we have an interview with the very funny Jamie Carbone, who is a repeat guest here on Science Factual. You can catch their other episode on The Gods Themselves by Isaac Asimov by listening to episode 16 on Spotify, Shady Pines Radio, and Mixcloud. I had to have Jamie back to tap into their infinite nerd knowledge, especially that of the Star Wars universe. I mean, I felt like I had some more homework to do after our discussion. We met up before the Haymaker Comedy Open Mic hosted by Amanda Lynn Deal, who I'm super stoked to have on for the first episode in June that won't have to do with Star Wars, per se. And that's the only hint you'll get. At any rate, here's Jamie. Uh, yeah, you know, just regular pet owner stuff. No, I'm not, like, trying to keep him... Yeah. Contained. No, I didn't think you were, but now I do because you had to explain it. Well, <laughs> I, you know, he's a bad dog sometimes. What kind of dog is he? He, uh, we did the 23 and me on him. Oh, so he's a. I'm, I'm glad this is happening right now. Oh, this yeah, is no. this is exactly why we. Is this always the first track that plays? <laughs> yeah, this, especially when it cut evil by Interpol. I, I I couldn't I couldn't think of a better track to introduce the holiday the Star uh, Wars holiday special truly 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 evil for the longest time was the most evil thing affiliated with Star Wars now you could argue that's Disney as a whole well they celebrate life day yes which which wookie life day wookie life day which uh, inexplicably they celebrated across the universe even though wookies are not are treated like second-class citizens most places. They sure are, and I, I mean, you know, it, they were really treated like cannon fodder in the Battle of Kashyyyk. So, folks, the voice other than mine that you hear, that's Jamie Carbone. Hello. It's so nice to be back. And nice to have you back. Thank you for joining me. We're here outside of the Haymaker Mike in North Portland off yeah. of Killingsworth near my alma mater, Portland Community College, Go Panthers. I didn't know you. I work there. Yeah? Yeah, since the last time I did that. I, I'm not going to say where, because I, I hate that I said that I work there. <laughs> That's okay. Well, I, I'm sure my many acolytes, if I'm going to use the parlance of Star Wars terms, sure. will be waiting outside of... Somewhere. I'm yeah, not, I'm somewhere. Not, I'm not yeah, okay. All right. Well, I was, sorry. I was, I was trying to beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, okay. I resisted. Yeah. Good That's for me. Good, good for you. My, I need to up my strength with the force, because my, <laughs> Your mind Sith, my, my Sith mind tricks are not working. Perhaps a few Hail Satans are <laughs> required. We're here to talk about the video games. We're here yes. to talk about the comic books. We're here to talk about the toys. Yes. We're here to talk about the holiday special. Yeah, we're basically hitting a bunch of the ancillary stuff. Yeah. That maybe if you do this again, deserve their own episodes. But right now we'll do we'll do a, a rushdown mode. We're going to do a smorgasbord. We're doing a boss rush. D- nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. I like that. Um... Before we get started, Jamie, what is your Instagram? Uh, my dad gets mad, all one word. Because when I started it, it was just pictures of my dad being upset with me. And then I did this cool thing where I moved thousands of miles away from him. It, so, so it's no longer relevant, no. but you hold on to it. Correct. I just uh, like it. I like a sure. good rhyme. Yeah, it, it, and it's a great handle. And uh, so how did you get st- started in stand-up comedy? Because the last time we did this, it was 11 episodes ago. Yeah. And if and yeah, you know, I don't expect everybody to much like every piece that I cover, sure. like every type of you know show or book or what have. Not everybody's seen or, or read everything. Um, I'll do a Cliff Notes version because I feel like I went on too long last time about that's this. That's okay. Um, I, I, that's what uh, editing is for. I started up. That's fair. Um, I started at my my college, uh, my alma mater, West Virginia University. Okay. There was a comedy competition. Um, they did a writing class as part of it, and I was like, I'll do that writing class, and then if I feel comfortable, I'll try the competition. Did the writing class, had a good time, wrote my first set, spent weeks working on that set, was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll do the competition. First time on stage, I won a comedy competition. Uh, 
I want a free iPod Touch, um, which they no longer make anymore. R.I.P. No, but if you wanted to date this episode, yeah, it was, this was uh, <laughs> 2011. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, yeah, I've been doing stand up uh, 11 years and some change at this point. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the first two years were in West Virginia, so I don't know if I really count that just because the scene there wasn't much of a scene. Well, that's okay. We we but, don't have to we don't have to count West Virginia. Yeah. But I you know took started taking it seriously when I moved to Chicago nine years ago. So. Uh, so what was your first exposure to sci-fi? I think my first real exposure to like having an idea of what sci-fi is. Because I'm sure there were, like, little, like, comic books and stuff. And, like, I was like, this is just superheroes or whatever. But the first time I was like, this is something different is Muppet Babies would fill in old sci-fi things. Mm. Like, from, like, Lucas Productions or Spielberg Productions. And there would be, like, an alien or a robot clip. And, like, Gonzo would be animated there, like, running from it or something. And I was just like, what is this? You know, this is... Pigs in space. Right. Well, that's that's regular Muppets. I'm talking full-on babies. Okay. Full-on oh, yeah. full Muppet Babies. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So it was like the animated was like put on top of some live action still from some B movie or something. Mm. Um, and then I was just like, I need to find out what more of this is. And then I had like video games and stuff with like Ninja Turtles, that kind of stuff was probably where I got a little more into it. But I didn't really break away from the science fiction superhero mold until probably when I was like seven and got introduced to Star Wars. Sure. So and that was my first big one. Yeah. I'm sure as, as with you, my first introduction was four five and six. Yeah. And, and there wasn't a lot. It's not like you could go out and find the holiday special on VHS. No, they they buried the fuck out of that. Yeah, I watched it, and rightfully so. Um, in college, the first time I watched it, I watched it in college on a friend's VHS, and it was not like like a bunch of it was cut out. It wasn't the whole thing. And then the second time I watched it was like probably three or four years ago, and that was on a porn site. Mm. Someone had just uploaded the entire Star Wars holiday special. And, and I was and like, I, I, which what I you say porn site? Uh, I don't know. I, I maybe okay. Spankwire, maybe X Hamster. I don't know. Some okay. site. Someone gave me the link. Can we get some keywords? Um, like what, what I were think the if keywords you type involved? In Star Wars. Uh, it'll come up. Um, I'm sure a lot of parody would too. Sure, right? and you yeah. know what? Some of those are. I don't really like parody porn. Not to slam it, but okay. I'm not against it. But it just feels like bad fan fiction. Like maybe if they were better actors, I would be more invested. But I, I feel like bad acting is part of the ticket. I, it, it, like sure. If you, the most expensive porno ever made was uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Knockoff, yeah, Knock Pirates. Off, yeah. And then they they cut out all the porn, just released it as a movie too. No. Yeah, that happened. You can find there was like a thing at Blockbuster where you could get just Pirates without the porn, and it would just be all the major plot points of it. Can you get the holiday special without the porn? I mean, the porn's the best part. The porn and the animated part. Mm. Those are the best scenes. That's true. Yeah, mm. the the step the stepfather. Yeah, Ichi, his uh, Ichi and his, Mala's the, the sex scene were was amazing. Yeah, you know, a lot you, of hair. What are you doing? Stuff, it Wookie? was it was the late seventies. There was a lot of hair. Yeah, it was. You know what? I I love them being all natural. That's you know, my I'm, preference. I'm here for it. Um, all right. So, which character do you identify with the most? Oh, I don't know. That's so hard. Um, you know, I you know, as an openly non-binary person, I I probably relate to the weird like dressed aliens and stuff just because like that is kind of the vibe. Like I probably love I mean, so we could see you in the background of the canteen yes, scene. Yes, exactly, yeah. just bobbing my head. No, yeah. my, but like my favorite of the of the second trilogy, 1, 2 and 3 was the Jedi Kit Fisto, the green guy with the the Natolian with the dreadlocks. And the smile. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah. became my favorite because there wasn't a lot of characterization for him, so I could just kind of fill in whatever I wanted for him. And I was like, oh, this dude's a happy-go-lucky guy. And he, when he's killed... Well, he gets killed by Palpatine, so he gets a good death. Oh, right, when they go to yeah, confront he's, him. He's yeah, he's one of the three yeah, Jedi that's right, that, that go uh, to confront him with Mace. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, so, um, he Who was the third? Um, so it was, uh, I may get, it was Kit Fisto, it was, Mace Windu isn't even one of the, there were four. Mace Windu, Kit Fisto, I want to say Agen Kolar and Saucy Tin, I think, were the other two. I believe you. Agen Kolar's I the guy with the even, horns. I'm not even going to fact check that, I'm just going to no, go sorry. here. <laughs> Agen Kolar is the Zabrak and Saucy Tin is the guy with horns, I think. You know, I, if I had to bet money on something, I would bet that you have it right. Yeah, so Agen Kolar is the Zabrak and then a Saucy Tin. Oh, maybe Saucy Tin's not right. Nope, Saucy Tin is right. Yeah, I got them both. <laughs> 
Um, but also their death in the in the movie, they all just get cut down pretty quickly. Except pretty for quickly, days. that's true. Um, Kid yeah. is the only one. That, it made me happy. Kid Fist is the only one who actually exchanges blows instead of getting murdered immediately. Mm. So I like that. But I read the novelization of the book before the movie came out because I hate myself. And in the movie, <laughs> they don't show his, or in the book they didn't show his death. But it, when Anakin comes to check on them and like he saw them decided what side he's on, they say that uh, Kit Fisto's decapitated head is lying on Palpatine's desk with his trademark smile still going. And I'm just like, how fucked up is that he was smiling when he got his head chopped off? What the fuck? Uh, well, uh, but when he was cut down, was he decapitated? Or no, was in the he movie he wasn't. At, right. Yeah, yeah, in the movie he wasn't. In the book he was. Okay. The books don't okay. show you the fight. So they always, they kind of work on a basic outline whenever they do the adaptation, because they want them out at roughly the same time. Mm. So they don't give them the final script usually. They usually give them, like, the second to last draft or something. So mm. they're a little more violent usually. The writers have a little more freedom. Well, I'm all for it. I I haven't gotten too much into the novelization of the series, yeah, which, I mean, which I would love to do yeah. because I feel like that. And there there is a lot of much like with Star Trek, there are a lot of books. Yes. So I mean now and now especially with like when they restarted the continuity, my plan was to okay when they start doing books again, I'll pick those books up. Mm. And then they just came out like I've read like five of them, but they were just coming out too quickly, and I'm just. I don't know. I got better things to do than read, I guess. Um, so, like, I read, like, the Thrawn books are good. And then they're doing this new, this one that takes place 100 years before the 1, 2, and 3. And I read the first two of those, and they're pretty good. Is that still considered the Old Republic? No. It's, yeah, it's, it's, because it's, the Old uh, Republic is, like, a thousand years yes, before. Yeah. And those are still arguably canon. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, well, I would, yeah, abs- absolutely. Um, it, it, the, the rule is they are canon until something um, disputes it. In the new continuity. So then it'll get put up to the, uh, uh, oh, I don't even remember the term they used for it. That was part of the argument against the conspiracy corner piece that I did for episodes four, five, and six, which is that Boba Fett killed Owen and Beru Lars. Oh, I haven't heard that theory before. So in the beginning of The Mandalorian, they come across another moisture farm on Tatooine after mm-hmm. he's salvaged from the Sarlacc pit. Yeah. And he has like this pained look on his face, and that's what kind of like sparked that, int- fans, that possibility. Yeah, to be like, okay, well, let's look at the I mean, potential timeline gun. wise. Yeah, maybe. And if Vader was like, okay, well, you know, fuck them for harboring my son sure. and being venge, you know, or spiteful, yeah. he could have at least, at the very least, through Jabba, yeah. have hired out. It would also make Boba sense Fett for him too. to not necessarily want uh, stormtroopers to know anything about his history. But I feel like right. Boba Fett would be smarter about uh, Bantha Trex. Uh Well, or it could have been the Tusken Raiders. Uh, it could have been. It, it, it could. It could point to a couple of sure. of different sources. But ultimately, stormtroopers don't disintegrate bodies sure. when shooting them. So, like no. the whole fact, the fact that like the whole place was torched up, yeah. and that the bodies, like even if they were on fire and kind of crawled out. Like they wouldn't have torched the area right. that they were on. Yeah, I'm not. There, there, like, there's a, there was a the lot. The theory of has legs. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dispute it. There was a, a book series that came out in 2017, and the name of it is is beyond me at this moment. But it stated specifically that Boba was in a different area when. Oh, okay. Baru and, and them died. Oh, and Lars okay. were killed. But for a long time, the theory still held. Right. Well, the, the the way the old Star Wars canon used to work was that everything that was in the movies was considered a canon. Okay. So, and then everything afterwards, there were different tiers. It'd be like B canon, C canon, et cetera, et cetera. So, A canon always trumped everything else. It's what you would consider episodes one through nine. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, it was before nine. This was b- back with the original. Right, but, but but still, you would it, now yes. it is elevated to that arc. Correct, and yeah. I would argue the TV shows, you know, Clone Wars and uh, everything would also be a canon. Yes, I agree. Yeah, uh, the Clone Wars animated series specifically. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then um, sometimes because sometimes if a book, I would also put comic book. Rogue One in there. Sure. Yeah. Anything that's a film. I will say anything that's a film even and a so- TV show. Solo? Yes, I will say okay. even Solo counts. Okay. Um, granted, things may later retcon some of that for sure, but right now, they haven't done anything that has, so as far as I'm concerned, it's still A canon. Okay. Now, um, but the B canon would be like the comic books and the books themselves. Um, so if you had something that was covered in a book, but for whatever reason, like, say, so you know how there were books 
that came out in the 80s after the original trilogy yes. was done. 80s, 90s, yeah. etc. Some of the stuff, they like they talked about the Clone Wars in those books a little. And then the movies directly disputed that. So those aspects of those books, the rest of the other part of the book is still canon. But the Clone hmm. Wars stuff automatically got uncanon. I would love to read the... I, now I need to read the books. There's a lot of really good books. Okay. But right when you get up to, I would argue, um, the Yuzon Vong, that's the last good arc. Okay. And after that, it gets uh, overly controlled um, by Lucasfilm, because this was before the Disney sale. It just gets less good. They just kind of become kind of cliched, and they're like, at that point, it almost, honestly, it kind of felt like a dead franchise a little bit. Mm. Like, they're like, they weren't really doing anything. Um, so but the but did the, was, were those released after 1, 2, and 3? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, like, the comic books are usually where the better stuff was happening at that time. Well, and I would say that Star Wars is such a visual medium as it is yeah. that the, that any sort of graphic novel collection or comic book series would lend more. It does it more justice, for yeah. sure. So, like, the um, at the time that this was happening in the comics, they had two really good arcs that were happening. One was um, the Old Republic-based. And it was took place right before um, Knights of the Old Republic, the first game. Well, and we'll get to that. I was just yes. about to say Knights of the Old Republic was one of my favorite video games yes. growing up. I would argue yeah. it is maybe it is not my favorite Star Wars game, but if you were able to like quantify what makes a good Star Wars game, I would expect it to be number one. Mm. Um, and then, but then they also had a hundred years later down the line. Not of, pod, of, not pod racing. I do love pod racing, but we'll talk about that. But then they had, from 100 years in the future, from the current timeline, they had um, like Star Wars Legacy, which was focused on Luke's descendant. Luke's descendant from uh, uh, him and Mara Jade. But does that not negate... Well, I guess it doesn't negate. It's it's not, it's side-by-side it, it, it's, it, it's side with what transpires, I guess, after 9? No, so that... Or, or like... Legacy is no longer canon. Okay. So it, because it's been disputed it's been by disputed. the arc of seventy nine. Well, even if it hadn't been, um, it, if it because those not, if say those were still made under the old system, yes, it automatically would have become a canon because of the A canon. But when Disney bought Star Wars, they were like, we're wiping all the canon. Basically, the only thing that count are these six movies and the Clone Wars cartoon. Hmm. Um, just then, the second Clone Wars cartoon, not the Jendi Tartakovsky one, the one the the CGI'd one with like Dave Filoni. Okay. Because there are two Clone Wars cartoons. Not everybody remembers There's that. There's the final season or what Yeah, no, no, no. So what it is is back when um, Episode 3 was coming out, mm. Gendy Tartakovsky, who did um, Samurai Jack, he had a... This is the one that was on Cartoon Network. Yes. Yeah. I think they were both on Cartoon Network, weren't they? I just remember the one that is likened more, like you said, to, to Samurai yeah, Jack. Yeah, so that was the hand-drawn Star- one. Yes, yeah. Um, that one was the first... Oh, and I, okay, I've seen And then the there was CGI the CGI one, yeah, one okay, that was, yeah, that yeah, came yeah. out like five years later. Mm-hmm. So that first one got rendered uncanon pretty quickly. Sure. So it's still badass. As fuck. Yeah, but it's not but, canon But anymore. they still hearken to it a little sure. bit. Sure, and that's what they do. With character references yes. and Mandalorian so, and Book of Boba Fett. So that's what like, they do all the time, yeah. is they still have winks and nods to yes. events from the old canon, so they imply Star Wars like, definitely wink that. Yes. They, great winker. Uh, not quite a blink, but uh, but they imply all the time that uh-huh. these things still happened. They just happened a different way that they happened in the stories we had previously. Sure. So would you say that, like, if you were to consider Star Wars, yeah. would it be a healthy mix of canon and non-canon? For my, from, or, like, A through B canon, if you will, like, just to kind of have a general feel of what Star Wars is supposed to be? Yes. I think that you still have to accept a lot of what is, like, even if you don't accept the stories themselves, the flair. You know what I mean? Oh, t- oh for so sure. The, I think, yeah. Because I, I think the books, I think the cartoons, I think everything they've done have built so much better on the legacy than a lot of the other stuff that was coming out. So I think that you have to accept at least the sentiment, well, if not the story itself. M- much like with anything, if you're into it, the more content there is to consider, the better the universe becomes. Yeah. L- more often than not. Sure. If you were to just consider... One through six and Clone Wars, the non CGI but just the animated. No, it's like, just the CGI, not the animated. Oh, oh yeah, sorry, yeah. just the CGI, not the animated. You would be limiting yourself pretty severely, right? Because there's not. I mean, there's still there's so much potential though. They have created all of these branches that 
are ripe for exploration. And they're doing that now, but maybe they're doing it a little too fast. Well, so as a quick aside, how do you feel about the development of 10 through 12? Oh, buddy. Oh, my God. So I really like um, a lot of the characters they introduced. Like, I like Poe. I like Finn. I like Rey. Um, I like Rose Tico. I like BB-8. Um, but it feels like a lot of the characters are treated more as plot devices than actual characters. I like 8 a lot. The Last Jedi is the better of, of the, the three. three. Yes, much like four, five, and six, where Empire is the best. Uh, like yes, the second of that because that so trilogy. much is still happening. Right, um, and, it, and it leads so much more. I feel like nine was shoehorned in. A lot of people I've ooh, seen don't like give me, I have a lot of two-hour-long YouTube dives yeah. into why nine's a piece of shit, and I get it. So like, but at the end, you do see Ray have a yellow lightsaber. That yes. looks pretty dope. I'm stoked on that. Yes, and like, that I, is also a little bit of a Clone Wars. Callback. Yes. Well, I also, I like that, uh, I like even, there are, like, I have not watched Nine since it came out, to be perfectly honest, because I was so upset. I had to watch it to, from when I interviewed. Today. I need so to like, rewatch I, it. I forced myself. Um, and I'm sure, I, there were things I liked when I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really hated the forced romance um, between Kylo and Rey. I thought yeah. that that was very strange. Yeah. Um, I thought it happened way too quickly. So I like Kylo's redemption arc. Yeah, oh, same. That is my yeah. favorite story plot. Yeah. Um, but I think him uh, dying at the end or disappearing. What the fuck? Why? Why the fuck did that even happen, dog? It, w- it was more of like, it, it, so his whole thing was emulating Vader. Sure. And like, hit, like the end of Vader's redemption arc uh, was him becoming one with the Force. Yes, but I think they should have shown him surviving him breaking the mold of this character that he emulated for so long. Him living for himself as opposed to living for the ideals of a dead man. But could you see in 10 through 12 or perhaps even like setting it up in 10? Yeah. Like that they had gone on to that and for whatever reason he dies under some different circumstance. Like, I I mean, it it just, yeah. I don't think we're going to get a 10 through 12 for any time soon. We're supposed to. And they talk about it, but like, I know the dudes who do um, the Game of Thrones guys, they were originally going to do a movie and that got taken away from them. Um, the guy who did um, uh, eight, Ryan Johnson, he was supposed to have a movie, and that's still that's Ryan kind of Johnson's supposed to be directing ten. Well, then I want I want that. Give me yeah. that. And no, I, I, know, I want it too. And I know Kathleen Kennedy said this week that she's like, we're done with the Skywalker saga, yeah. which I'm fine with. I'm not complaining about I that. I am too. Yeah, I'm but, okay with that. But you can't say that and then also have like Obi Wan come out, which is clearly taking place as a major plot point of Skywalker. I'm you excited know? about Obi Wan. I'm I excited am also about excited Lando. About, I'm excited about. Um, Andor and yeah, Rogue yeah. Squadron. Are they doing a Rogue Squadron show? They're supposed to do a Rogue Squadron show, but uh, but the director has two other things: that Wonder Woman three and oh, is it Patty Jenkins? It is. Yeah, I would be is. I would be down with Patty Jenkins doing a, a Star Wars movie for sure. I think I think it'd be great. Yeah, if yeah. they do it, I mean, it might work. Honestly, that might be one where I really would prefer it as a show. So, so what is your favorite supplementary piece of Star Wars, canon or not? Oh, like, God, there's so fucking many. Um, I am a sucker. Like, the, I love the, the you mentioned it earlier, the pod racing, pod racing game I love. Battlefront, Battlefield, whatever you want to call them. The first two, not the newer ones from EA Dice. Um, I love the toys. I was a sucker for Star Wars toys as a kid. Um, to the point where now uh, I buy Star Wars Legos vehicles because I just enjoy building them because they remind me of my childhood. Whenever I see a Star Wars Funko, I usually pick one up. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um, it's a Target impulse buy. Yeah. I, I am very good about not buying Funkos these days, but I used to have a problem where I'd just be like, yeah. I love this character. I have to get it. Right. But I've always been able to resist the Star Wars and the Marvel ones because they're bobbleheads. Oh, my, mine aren't, but I, are I, they, I also get Star Trek ones. Are they in the cases still, or do you have yep. them out? They are in the case. Okay, so if you look at them, they're actually, it's going to say on the box, bobblehead. I'm going to have to look at yeah, this. Yeah, you want to know why? Because Kenner has the toy rights right. to all Star Wars. So I, I looked this up. Yeah. There's an ambiguous figure as to how much money... This, let me ask you, how much money do you think that... Not Kenner toys. Yeah. But George Lucas has made himself off of toys? has made off billions, of absolutely okay. billions. The smartest thing he did. I, 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 they say it's north of ten billion dollars. I would, I would, I mean that is so high. That, that's that's exclude that includes the rights to all the toys and I think the money that he made off of four, five, and six. Sure. 
Well, he still and has toy money coming in for, on his... He does. Yeah. Yeah. Between 2013 and 19, he clocked like $453 million oh in toy sale rights alone. Good for him. But like... The biggest um, thing I've read about George Lucas is that um, Seth Rogen had a book come out last year called, I think, Your Book. Okay. And it's just a bunch of weird, like, stories of him, like, weird encounters he's had in Hollywood. And he took a meeting, him and um, Evan Goldberg, uh, the guy, the, when, after, yeah. this is like right after Superbad. Um, probably not right now. Anyway, um, they uh, they took a meeting with Steven Spielberg, and then went to the and George Lucas was there, and he was like, "Oh shit, I get to meet George Lucas." And then George Lucas revealed that he one very believed that the very much believed that the world was going to end in 2012, and two that yeah. he, that he had a spaceship to escape Earth in case that happened. And this book feels was very he fucking. With I don't know. Or? I don't know if he was because Steven Spielberg, who was also there, seemed annoyed that he had brought this up. So my guess is that this like, is a conversation dude, shut up. they like, have don't had. Fucking give no, us it's up, more like, like you're insane and I'm so unhappy that you're my friend kind of thing. It's oh, like you're okay. embarrassing me in front of the stoners right now. <laughs> is was kind of the written vibe Which of it. Which is hard to do. Right? Um so I am I I would like to talk to George Lucas, but there is nothing I could ask him that he hasn't already been asked like a hundred million times. Oh, I can only assume. I mean yeah. they've been doing Star Wars conventions since nineteen seventy Forever. Seventy eight. Yeah. Um, he was also way too uh, fast and loose with um, the Star Wars stuff at the end because they were making a Darth Maul game. Mm, um, and, I would love to have played that. Yeah, that would have been great. Um, so they were working on it, and uh, George, in the meeting they were like going over story points and stuff, and like because George Lucas, everything has to be approved by his office. Sure. So one of the things was well, they not were anymore, but it not did at the correct time. at yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, so he was holding up a Darth Maul toy, and he was holding up a Darth uh, Talon toy. And that is a character in the Star Wars Legacy, 100 years in the future, and she also has Sith tattoos. She's a she's a um, Twi'lek, the ones with the two twin hairstocks, mm-hmm. but she has she has red skin with um, dark Sith tattoos like Maul okay, has. Like Maul did, yeah. And he just goes, they're friends. And the writers were like, we have to get this person from 100 years into the future, put them into this game somehow. How are we going to justify this? All because of something George Lucas said during a meeting. There must have been some sort of time vortex on Dothamere. I don't know. I don't know. They, <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, we never had to deal with whatever insanity that yeah. was going to be. Well, thankfully. Although we did have to deal with the insanity that was the holiday special. Yes. Okay, let's break over to this, yeah, uh, we're, this chunk. We're this shifting gears pretty hard. Two fucking long films. It's an hour and a half. It feels like forever because there's so hour. much... There's ten minutes of opening... So much filler. Just Wookiee conversation yeah. dialogue with no subtitles. No, they're just moving... It's like they come home from the grocery store and they're just moving <laughs> stuff around. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's really bad, but like this also was like the first thing that came out post uh, episode yeah, yeah. Uh, four. So people were like starving for Star Wars content. Oh, big time! Yeah, and we get a bunch of Wookies. We get Luke Skywalker with too much makeup on. Well, because he had like basically just just got, died. Yeah, yeah, like crazy car crash. Uh, you know, they bumped they bumped the Incredible Hulk to air. Did they really? Yeah, I, the the version that I saw was like we interrupt this your this normal showing of the Incredible Hulk for the Star Wars holiday special. Oh my special. god, that's. Sad. And uh, growing up, I know Lou Ferrigno. Oh, do you really? Yeah, I went to school with his with his son. Was he cool? Yeah, loved and and uh, Wait, and, he has, and their uh, older sister. Yeah, no. How many kids does Lou Ferrigno have? Like, I think three. Is he uh? Is he deaf? Yeah. Okay, I'd heard that, but I wasn't sure how true that was. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're talking right at him, he knows what you're saying. But if you oh, so you read lips pretty well. Yeah, but okay. if you like holler at him from across the house, he's like, not gonna he's hear. Not, it. No. Okay, cool. Yeah, especially nice not now. And it's a very nice guy. Cool. Yeah, super That's nice. What I like to hear. Yeah, no, he's a really nice guy. He still does the voice for the Hulk. No. Yeah, in the newer movies, they tapped him to do the the voices and the yells and stuff. Nice. Yeah, so he's still doing Hulk shit. Good for him. Right. Good for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. still working out. I don't too. know if he still is. I know he was for some of the earlier movies. He may not be doing it anymore. But I hope they are giving him a paycheck for some. I hope so too. Peter Mayhew. Yeah, R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, as Chewbacca through yeah. and through up up until eight and nine. Um, from what I heard, he still filmed a scene in nine. Oh? Yeah, so from what I heard, I think he still filmed... He didn't do any of Solo, I think. No. But I think he did a, a, a few did scenes in 8 and 9 okay. with the guy who also did Chewie and Solo. Mm. Um, so that they could still credit Peter Mayhew in the credits kind of thing. Because they made him a Chewbacca consultant. Yeah. Yeah. No, I bet when they did like... The, when they just showed the names, like, the right. thing, I think that's why they did it. Okay. So they could throw his name in For there. continuity. Yeah. Yeah, solid. Okay. Same um, reason um, R2-D2's 
actor got credited even though he hasn't played it. He didn't play him at all in the new trilogy. I, I want to know more about Ichi. Dog, I don't. That old pervert? I don't want that. What was that VR sexual no, experience buddy, with, with Diane Carroll? I don't know. Dude. That was when, fucking amazing. When you, when you texted me Diane Carroll in all caps, I was like, oh, I know where he's at. <laughs> It is one of the greatest things I think I've ever it's seen in my life. It's so horny. Oh, yeah. It is incredibly horny. When it cuts to him with, like, the, the yeah. hair shop dryer vac over his uh, head. And I he's hate like, it. Because this, this is not a likable character at all. No. And then we are suddenly being like, also, he's beating off, kind of? Oh, yeah. I hated it. That's my least favorite part of the movie. That's quite the, possibly the my, special. my favorite part. Uh, other than B. Arthur being all up in that. Yeah, B. Arthur rules. Yeah. Also, not... And then Art Carney is also in it, isn't he? Yes. He's like the merchant who sells him the, the yes. not porn. Yep, yeah, that's right. So is Harvey Corman, who was Hedy Lamar in Blazing yeah, Saddles. Yeah, who was Harvey Corman? This, I, did, I did not rewatch this. He was this Gorm, Gormanda, the Paula Dean type. Uh, steering whip, steering whip. Okay. Steering whip with the four arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That that's he. I had forgotten about that part. I, if you were look, I had to look it up. I fucking love Harvey I, I had I had no idea. I was raised on the Carol Burnett show, so Harvey Corman was always a yes. big part of my childhood. Nice. Yes. Shout out Carol Burnett. Uh, still alive. Still kicking. Nice. Yeah. Right. How How old now? Uh, she's got to be in her late seventies. I think she's working on a project with Bob Odenkirk. Because I heard love that. Me some Bobby Odenkirk. Because he just got a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and she was there. Oh, nice. Yeah. Supporting him. Isn't that great? Great. Uh, talking about uh, horny weird shit in the yeah. holiday special, what about that acrobatic showcase that Lundy is just... I don't... Lumpy. Lumpy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Shout Lundy, out Thomas Lundy. Lundy. <laughs> um, Lumpy Aru or whatever I think his full name is. Yeah. Um, I don't know because they keep cutting... Because this is clearly based on like the mold of a variety show. Right. So they keep cutting to like... Oh, it's it, like it sketch, absolutely has It's that like feel. sketch, musical guest, sketch performance kind yeah. of thing yes and i just remember it being like it feels like one it feels like variety shows were for sure going out of favor when this thing was made because this was like what well, 79 78 and it wasn't where is sunny and Cher were early 70s yeah they might have been early mid but Ma- they, they were petering yes, out by but the like, time that this was yeah but by the 80s all variety shows were pretty much gone yeah so this say, yeah. definitely feels like it is a weird last stab at a dying form of media. Well, they were like desperate to put some because there was yeah they very much wanted money. Year lull between four and five. And they were like, and it got big ratings, which was the crazy part of this. Crazy sponsored by GM. Yeah. Or GE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, GM's the cars. One of one of the two. It was sponsored sponsored by something in general. Right. Well, so the only part I love that. Um, So the only part of it that I think legitimately holds up. Is the cartoon? Yes. Well, they they still play that part yes. on Disney Plus. Yes. They have they have that cut out in particular, yes. but they don't put the actual holiday no. special. Well, what was interesting because that was like the prototype almost for uh, Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Because uh, yeah. that, that was his first intro, but also yeah. they used that kind of art style in the cartoons they did in the '80s and early '90s. Because then they did like the Ewoks cartoon, and then they did the Droids cartoon, and they both use a very similar art yeah, style. Yeah, they to that. sure did, didn't they? I loved the Droids cartoon. Okay. We had a we had a mini TV in our car that you would plug into a um, like a cigarette lighter thing. Anyway, um, we had one of those for a TV, and one of the three tapes that I watched on repeat because I always meant to take the tapes out and put new tapes in the car, but I always forgot until we were like an hour into the family road trip up to my grandparents. So I probably watched Star Wars Droids at least. At least two dozen times. This this is very interesting technology that you're talking yeah. about. Because I feel like this is very Star Wars tech. Sure. Where you would have a mobile monitor that yeah. you would plug in with some weird plug-in yeah. into like a power source or a droid. And it's very clunky and very Right. This is like, dated. The, like the, the level of technology below holograms. Sure, we were so close, baby. Yeah. And uh, then I got to watch a weird cartoon. <laughs> Starring R2-D2 and C-3PO and an alien that they thought was an android, but it was really a person in disguise. The, honestly, I feel like if you cut all the musical acts out of it, you lose like a half hour. Well, John Williams definitely carried that thing. I, yeah. I had to look up whether or not he, degraded, he debased himself enough to... Sure, to, do to the, score do, it. To score it, he did. I mean, <laughs> I don't... I mean, that was... No, he would have been making Spielberg money at this time, too. Yeah, that's interesting that he did that. 
I mean, look, you know, friends are friends. Sure. My 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 biggest issue with it is when uh, Han Solo basically pushes two stormtroopers off a deck. Yeah, just yeah. straight up committing murder. Yeah. It's, it's probably one of the darkest and most glossed over. Cause, cause yes, because like, yeah. it's played for fun, but it's right. like, these are trees are like... Well, Han killing people is always treated very casually. Yeah. Like, when he shoots Greedo, like... And he clearly shoots yes. first. But this is more blatant murder than that, because these guys yeah. weren't even really threatening them. No, but they were storm... I mean... They were stormtroopers. Yeah. You can make that point, but... They're yeah, also stormtroopers. ASAB. Well, you know what? They were actually stormtroopers stationed on Kashyyyk, which means they were for sure helping with slavery. Oh, so you know yes. what? Yeah. Good for you, Han. Kill yeah. those dudes. Yeah, kill kill all yeah, kill all stormtroopers. <laughs> on that note, uh, Jamie, where can we hear you perform next? Okay, so I'm about to go to town. Um, so I don't have uh, any shows coming up until... Um, oh, you know what? I'm going to be at Portland's Funniest Person on uh, June 19th. Nice. I'm um, very excited for that. That'll be at Helium Comedy Club. Helium Comedy Club in Portland, Oregon. And then I have like two other shows, but I don't know if they're in June or July. But we can check it out on your Instagram. Yeah, I tweet everything. I post gets, everything. At my dad gets mad. At my dad gets mad. Oh, hold on. Was that a show? Yeah. And then on June 16th, uh, the few days before, I'm going to be at Bangers. Um, nice. Which is yep. run by Eliza and uh, Bjorn in Portland. And Solid show. Yeah, uh, it seems like New it's show. going really well. Yeah, this, yeah, I think they've only been doing it a month at this yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. I was actually supposed to do it um, two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, and then I had uh, that little fella called COVID. Mm. But I'm not dead, so I consider it a win. No, un- unless this is your force ghost the whole time during this conversation, which would be spooky yet pretty rad. Yeah, dude, I would love... I, I don't know, man. Being a ghost sounds exhausting. Yeah, I kind of... I, I've, I'm good with just this plane of existence yeah, right. <laughs> when this is when i'm done with this i'm i think i might I be mean, good maybe if i get like we'll see we'll see what happens we'll see I what die. happens yeah, in yeah, the meantime yeah. why don't we go hit this mic hell yeah dude let's All tell right. some fucking jokes nice well thanks for joining me jamie appreciate hey, it thank you for having me cool. always a fun time had a hell of a time at the Haymaker mic with guest host Ronnie Macaroni, who is also super awesome. That mic is every Thursday with sign-ups starting at 7.30 and the show starting at 8. Haymaker has awesome food and drinks and is located at 1233 North Killingsworth in North Portland, right down the street from PCC Cascade. Go Panthers! I tried looking into any conspiracy theories regarding George Lucas, but I really couldn't come up with anything. If you happen to know of a relatively plausible conspiracy about the man behind the Star Wars franchise, please get all up in my DMs on the Instagram machine. That's at Reese underscore comedy dot exe. I'd love to hear all about the nefarious side of Darth Lucas. In the meantime, I'd like to acknowledge my sources for today's episode. Those include wikipedia.com, starwars.com, my own nerd knowledge combined with that of Jamie, Plus a shout out to YouTube for being a place of refuge for the Star Wars Holiday Special. You can't find it on Disney+, Plus, so thank you for making a home for this important piece of cinematic history. Next week's episode wraps up Star Wars Month on the last day of May with a look at the most recent installations of the Star Wars saga. That would be the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett series, as well as a deeper look at the Clone Wars animated series, that's plural, because of the animated and CGI. Thank you, Jamie, for bringing that back to my attention, as well as what's set to come out next in a galaxy far, far away. Stick around after this episode for more amazing content from Shady Pines Radio. Here's a lineup for Tuesdays. You're listening to ShadyPinesRadio.com. Here's the lineup for Tuesdays. Hey, that's what I just said. Starting at 8 a.m., Science Factual with Reese Hendrick. Oh, hey, I know that guy. Emotional Weather Report with Jamie Stewart at 10 a.m. At 11 a.m., Beat Salad with Mason O'Brien. At noon, The Blue Hour with Blue Adams. At 2 p.m., The Prog Hour with Reagan Lindy. Your Own Private PDX with DJ Squiffy at 3 p.m. At 4 p.m., Cosmic Taco Beat Shack with Big Papa Warrior. No Dancing Please with L. Ron Hubbard at 5 p.m. At 6 p.m., Anything New with Shorty L. Toasty Tunes with Alex Toast at 7 p.m. At 8 p.m., Radio Seance with your psychic friends. At 9 p.m., Fresh Unoriginal with DJ Wineglass. And at 10 p.m., Turntable Talk with Chili and Bass. No matter the day or time, you've picked the right time to listen in. Thanks for listening, and tell others. Shady Pines Radio.
By the way, every other day of the week, 24 hours a day, you can encounter mind-bending content on Shady Pines Radio by downloading the app wherever you procure your apps or by listening on ShadyPinesRadio.com. Hey, before we head out of here, how's about a set from Jamie Carbone at the Helium Comedy Club right here in Portland, Oregon? He brought the house down, so enjoy. Hello, a little bit about me up top. I am queer. I am a queer individual. Thank you. I'm so glad. I'm, I feel like I'm part of a group for once. That's nice. I, uh, I'm queer. My preferred term is queer. I don't like bisexual because I think that's too limiting. And I don't like pansexual because I do look like the kind of person who would try and fuck in a pizza hut. So... <laughs> I stick with queer. (laughs) I had my first queer realization when I was 10 years old and I was watching the movie Mulan with my grandmother. And it was the scene where Shang, the Chinese general, takes his shirt off. And I said to my 70-year-old grandmother, yes, please, let him make a man out of me. I'm out now, but I was closeted for most of high school. Um, I just wasn't very good about being in the closet, you know, staying in there. Like, I'd be uh, hanging out with friends, and we'd be playing video games or something, and someone would say, oh, man, I'm so gay for pizza. And I'd be like, yeah, me too. And also... I am out to y'all. I'm, uh, I, I have come out, but I uh, have not officially come out to my family. I say officially because a couple years ago on National Coming Out Day, I just posted on Facebook in all caps, I'm queer! <laughs> and my dad, Facebook Wow, reacted to that. So, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, the conversation is done. <laughs> I'm going to do a quick poll of the audience. Do me a favor. Um, clap if you're a dog person. Okay. Some of y'all. Some of y'all. Now clap if you are a cat person. Okay. Okay. Now clap if you watched the movie The Truman Show at an impressionable age and it ruined your whole life. Okay. Perfect. Great. This joke is for y'all. Um, for those of you that don't know, The Truman Show is a uh, movie starring Jim Carrey where he stars in a 24-hour reality TV show he does not know about, all directed by some Steve Jobs-looking motherfucker, played by Ed Harris, which, if you watch between the ages of, like, 12 to 16, just turns you into a raging narcissist the rest of your life. Like, forever. Like, I spent my youth trying to figure out where the cameras were in my childhood home. <laughs> I would just do commercials to my other family members to just pitch them on things. I once ended an argument with my parents by telling them that they were terrible fucking actors. (laughs) Y'all ever been grounded because you told your mom she was no Sandra Bullock? You can't. (laughs) And then after a few years, after a few years, I got away from this idea. I got away from it. I'm like, this probably isn't a Truman Show. You know, this is probably just a normal life. And then I was in a coffee shop, and I was paying for my food or drink. And as I went to pay, the barista was like, don't worry about it. The guy ahead of you already took care of it. I was like, oh, my God, I didn't know y'all did that. So I went to turn and wave at that person. And sitting there was Ed fucking Harris, (laughs) who raised his coffee to me and winked. Which means potentially one of two things. One, this is a Truman Show. And I understand it is your job not to tell me. Or two, Ed Harris wants to fuck me? And either way, I'm doing pretty good. You know, either way, I'm making off like a bandit. I'm uh, I'm Fat Handsome. Do you all know Fat Handsome? Huh? Some of you? The very enthusiastic, yeah, I very much appreciate that. Uh, You know, like Josh Gad or James Corden or uh, Pumbaa from The Lion King, you know. (laughs) Fat Handsome. 
y'all, it is so much easier to live this way. Like, I don't have to go to the gym or waste money on expensive haircuts. I can just eat a whole pizza and have eyes that look like a storm on the ocean. <laughs> I'm just saying, when it comes to dating genetically, wizard eyes are the way to go. <laughs> like, let me ask you this. Uh, do y'all know how many people are willing to make out with a middle-aged Harry Potter? Some, so. Anyway, thank you, I'm Jamie.